Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. How has God dealt with the sin of idolatry in history? Today, Pastor J.D. will speak on the danger of sin and why we must work hard to avoid it. Jesus is worthy of our honor and praise, and He knows that without Him, we can do nothing. Have you allowed wickedness to reign continually in your life? Repent and turn to the Lord. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 5th, 2023. When it's all said and done, the nations of the earth will know It's the Lord and the Lord alone. And sadly, there's coming a day, in that day, it will be too late, but every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But at that time, it will not be a confession unto salvation, rather it will be a confession unto damnation. Thankfully, the good news, and we're going to talk about this at the conclusion, there's still time before that time, though the time is very short. Now is the time, today is the day to confess Jesus Christ is Lord, because now it's for salvation, then it will be for damnation. This brings me to the third form of idolatry in the last days, and it's that of trusting the science, rather than the God of science. But as for the idolatry of trusting science rather than the God of science, let me very simply say that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in our bodies. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, listen very carefully, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, Let us purify ourselves from everything that, key word, contaminates 
body and spirit. Interesting connection. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Please hear me out. It's for this and other reasons, such as the use of aborted babies and animals, by the way, which were to have dominion over but not abuse, that are used in the testing and development of many vaccines, plus the fact that there are contaminants, toxins, and poisons present for which we are rejecting the injecting of these shots into our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is why new forms of deadly cancers are on a dramatic rise, and a countless number of people are dropping dead like flies. These are people not numbers. We are now seeing new medical phenomena, the likes of which we've never before seen in our lifetime, such as turbo cancers that come on quickly. Add to this fatal heart attacks in young and otherwise healthy individuals during exercise and during the early morning hours of sleep, and many other conditions in young people. Again, the likes of which we've never before seen in our lifetime. Things like strokes, blood clots, paralysis, just to mention a few. Young people. Yeah. It seems that, for the most part, it's just business as usual. Life goes on. It could be argued that even within the church, maybe especially in the church, you would never know anything happened. It's like it never even happened. There's a reason for this, by the way. And we shouldn't be surprised by it, because we have Bible prophecy. Thank God for Bible prophecy. Thank you, God, for Bible prophecy. Because Bible prophecy tells us what the last days are going to look like. And as I'm looking at the day in which we're living, It is exactly what Bible prophecy says the last days will look like and be like. And we have specificity, again, thankfully, when it comes to Bible prophecy. Take the prophecy concerning the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Listen to Luke 17, beginning in verse 26, the words of the Savior. Jesus is speaking. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. And he explains, verse 27, what it was like in the days of Noah. What was it like in the days of Noah? They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
He goes on, verse 28, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. This is to me even more specific, and I'll explain why in a moment. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, they got their booster shots, they, oh, that's not the, sorry. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, he was actually, this is being very kind on the part of the Savior, but he was pulled out of Sodom. He was grabbed. The detail of the narrative of that account is breathtaking, no pun intended. They were reluctant. They were so settled in, even Lot himself was reluctant. It even says, here's the detail in the narrative, that he hesitated. And the angels of the Lord that were sent there to take them out before it all came down, pre-trib rapture, as if to say, Lot, we can't destroy, no fire or brimstone can come down until I get you out. That's the pre-trib rapture. So on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You know what's so chilling about this prophecy from the Savior Himself? It's how oblivious people were on the eve of God's judgment and destruction. Things were back to normal, business as usual, completely oblivious, blind if you prefer, on the eve of God's judgment. Business as usual, people going about their lives, giving no thought to the peril that awaited them right around the corner. You know what? One of the more troubling aspects of this particular prophecy is, it's how Christians and non-Christians alike are dismissive at best and deceived at worst on the eve of God's coming judgment and destruction now in our day as it was in the days of Noah and Lot. We've talked about it in the past, I'm not going to go into it today, but there are numerous and even voluminous parallels between God's judgment coming in Noah's day and God's soon coming judgment in our day. But what stands out the most is the wickedness and evil. Let me read Genesis 6-5. This is what it was like and how bad it was in the days of Noah. And Jesus is saying to us today in our day, this is how bad it will be. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the 
thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intent? Yeah. Continually evil? Yeah. Great wickedness? Yeah. Again, time doesn't permit me to list all the great wickedness and the continual evil in the world today, at least not for the update today, nor do I wish to, nor do I think I actually need to. Because wouldn't you agree that with each passing day seemingly the world is waxing more and more evil and the wickedness becoming greater and greater with each passing day. I mean, when you have the detail in the aforementioned Genesis 6-5, you think about that, it, it almost gives you the impression, if I can, if I can just kind of paint this by way of an illustration, that, that they were very imaginative and creative, and their, their creativity was continually to create and invent evil. And the wickedness, it, wickedness, it, not a word we use much in our vocabulary today. There's a distinction, a delineation between wickedness and evil. We, it's an oxymoron, I realize, but when you say of evil, it is pure evil. It's an oxymoron, but basically what that phrase is saying is that this is evil through and through, and they would continually come up with new evil. The intent, their intentions were evil intentions continually. The thoughts, they, they would think up evil. Their thoughts were only evil continually. And their wickedness was, was great. Why am I harping on this? Because that's today. I think of the Apostle Paul who would say, inspired by the Spirit, I mean the evil that is done is so unspeakable. Unspeakable evil. It, it, it is so evil you can't even speak of it. And that's what's happening. And not only is it happening, it's happening, this great wickedness and continual, unthinkable and unspeakable evil is happening under the banner of science that's idolized and worshiped as a God rather than God, but God. But God in His love for us foretold all of this to us. Not so we would all be scared, rather so we would all be prepared. Now, if this scares the H-E double hockey sticks out of you, praise the Lord, because I would rather scare you into heaven than flatter you into hell. If this is what it takes, whatever it takes to realize we live in an evil, fallen world, rife with wickedness. And God has to. It's not His will that any should perish, 
He takes no delight in punishing or judging the wicked, but God is just and God has to judge the world and God will judge the world. And His judgment is coming. And if you're not right with the Lord, I implore you to get right with the Lord so you can be ready for the Lord when that trumpet sounds, because that trumpet is going to sound sooner than any of us can possibly imagine. For those asking, okay, you're, you're, you don't want to scare me, you want to prepare me. You're not doing a very good job, by the way, but can I just ask, pray tell, what is it that you want to prepare me for? I'm so glad you asked. We need look no further than the Word of God and the God of the Word, because in a word, it's hope. Hope. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, Everything in the world seems so hopeless. We need hope. Who's our hope? Not what's our hope. Who's our our hope? Jesus. He's our only hope. This is again a a well-known passage, if you don't mind, Titus 2. I'll begin reading in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for, verse 13, looking forward to being prepared for, looking for what? The blessed hope. What's the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things. These are the things you are to teach. Exhort and rebuke with all authority, God-given authority. And interesting that Paul would be inspired to write Titus this at the end of verse 15, let no one despise you. The inference that when you teach these things, exhort, rebuke, with your God-given authority, you're going to be despised. Ask Jeremiah about that. We refer to this as the blessed hope, and, and please, I know, I hope you don't tire of me trying to explain this. When we say blessed hope, it's not like, oh, I sure hope. No, it's more like this. My only hope is Jesus coming and taking me out of this evil and wicked and dying, Christ-rejecting world that I have long ago overstayed my welcome in. This world, not my home. I believe the Holy Spirit is prompting me to just kind of share this with you, and we'll turn a corner in a moment, but and bring it to a close. But one of the most profound effects of teaching these things, teaching Bible prophecy, is that it loosens 
the ever-tightening grip that we have on this world and the things of this world. Because when you teach these things, speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, despite how they will despise you, but you remain faithful and true to preach Christ and Him crucified, the gospel, the good news that Jesus died, He was buried, He rose again, and He's coming back again. It brings it to the forefront and everything else pales in comparison. Right now, like many of you, what comes to mind are those timeless classic hymns, the world behind me, the cross before me, though none go with me, yet I will follow. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. And this is what I believe God does and wants to do in our lives. He's always so gentle in the way that He does it. He just wants to loosen our tightening grip. Don't get too comfortable down here. I'm coming to take you to the place I prepared for you. The world hates your guts, but I love your guts. The world hates you because the world first hated me, and by associate, you're guilty by association, which is why you're the recipient of such. The world is not your friend. Why are you trying to send a, you keep sending a friend request to the world. The world blocked you a long time ago. But I've sent you a friend request. The world's not your home. You're in it, not of it. Don't get too comfortable because I'm coming to take you out. Because, truth be made known, J.D., that's your only hope. I mean, that's your only hope. Everything that's happening in this world, as evil as this world is becoming, the great wickedness rivaling the days of Noah, the days of Lot, I mean, I didn't intend to go this far, but just indulge me if you will, please. I wonder if in some regard we have not exceeded the evil and the wickedness of the days of Noah and Lot. And I only say that based on the technology of today. I only say that because of just the in-your-face wickedness of our day. Over the years, Psalm 119 has become a friend, like I'm sure it has for many of you. The longest chapter in all of the Bible, of course, the longest psalm. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I forget, it's like a hundred and some seventy verses, but uh, only three of those verses don't mention the Word of God in them. But the whole psalm is about the Word of God, the Word of God. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. You've been listening to the latest prophecy update that Pastor J.D. has been sharing And as always, it's fascinating to hear and learn 
about how the things going on in the world relate to things predicted in the Bible. If you're ever interested in finding out more about this ministry, head over to jdfarag.org. That's jdfarag.org to learn more. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to come check out our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. There's a Calvary link at the bottom of our webpage, so look for it at jdfarag.org. That link will give you more info on service times, directions, and more. Also, on our website, you'll notice a tab at the top that says ABCs. This is a helpful tool if you're in need of understanding a more in-depth view of what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you or any friends or family need some clarification, this should help clear some things up for you. Again, that website is jdfarag.org. Next time, you'll get to hear some more interesting things about current affairs and how they relate to what the Bible says to be true. The prophecies in the Bible were not just mentioned casually. Every prophecy written in the Bible will come to pass. So there's much to understand about what's to come. We look forward to that time with you and hope you'll join us then. Until then, may you be looking for wisdom from God in spirit and truth.